This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Food First is a show about changing the conversation about food insecurity. When Jerry Brisson and I started the show, we wanted to help people understand how food insecurity touches all aspects of our life, how centric to our lives food really is, how we use food to communicate value and to elevate the conversation about politics, ideology, and how we and our network work towards a positive solution. Over the years of our show, we pointed out what our biggest tools in the anti-hunger toolbox are, how creating food security is everyone's responsibility, and how when we address hunger using a food-first mindset, the impact is immediate and helps create a path toward opportunity and self-sufficiency. Food is a powerful tool in the war on poverty. It liberates, it empowers, it stabilizes, and it has the impact on our minds, bodies, spirits, and even our soul. Food is a powerful force for good. In this current political climate, I have never seen more polarization, a greater lack of cooperation among politicians, or a time when we seemed further apart and divided than we are now. Yet the stubborn problem of food insecurity not only continues to plague our society, but it also thrives in this cauldron of negativity. We remain unfazed in our efforts to fix the problem and not the blame and to take responsibility for the future. It seems some influential power brokers have heard our message and drank our Kool-Aid. Today, Jerry and I invite Stephanie Johnson from the lobbying firm KJL in Lansing back to the show to help us unpack two new items in Michigan's current budget proposal that will have potential to have tremendous impact on food insecurity statewide. A line item proposal contained in Democratic Governor Whitmer's budget and a bill proposed by Republican Senator Roger Victory has potential to impact our mission to create a food secure state. Food security, bipartisan efforts, and a reason to hope are next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Food First Michigan. Jerry, as promised, Stephanie Johnson from KJL, our lobbyist, is back with us. So, Stephanie, welcome. Jerry, great to see you. Always good to see you, Doctor. And whenever you, whenever I know Stephanie's on the show, I'm definitely going to be here. I'll even listen to it again later. That's That's how important that is. I'm telling you. You guys are very, very kind, but thank you. And it's always a pleasure to be here with you and talk about state government and how it's how it's impacting families and food security. Well, great. Hey, Steph, um, we have um, a, a line item that came out of the governor's budget. I'm talking about the Food Bank Council and the seven Feeding America food banks that we represent that, of course, serve all of Michigan's 83 counties. I feel like I thought that's like the tagline. You have to always say 
that too. You did. It's really important to say. Absolutely right. Well, I think you know, in far as emergency food distribution, we're the really only organization that has the ability, the infrastructure, to you know order this food, procure this food, um, distribute this food safely, and do it statewide at scale. So. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely so, right. So, Steph, you have been with us at the Food Bank Council longer than I have been at the Food Bank Council, <laughs> and yeah. um, I think this is one of the first times in our history where a governor has proposed a line item that would impact our work at the Food Bank Council in an effort to create a food secure state. Is that correct? I would absolutely agree with that statement. You know, we are really experiencing um, some unprecedented times with when it comes to state revenue, state the state budget. Uh, right now, legislators are grappling with how to spend the money that uh, has flown in, come into the state via the federal uh, COVID relief dollars that have have come in. Um, and it's been it's been a real challenge, believe it or not, because the goal is to we know that these dollars are not going to uh, continue. It's they're one time dollars. Right. So how can the state uh, spend these dollars in a manner that has the maximum benefit, knowing that they are not going to have the resources in the future to maintain whatever source of funding it is? So the legislature, the governor, they've spent a lot of time trying to figure out where is the most appropriate place to put these dollars. And we're talking $12 billion or more in, in federal dollars that they're working on spending. And um, it's something that we've never seen before in the state, these, this type of revenue, this type of funding. Uh, we will likely never, ever see this kind of funding again. Um, people want to get it right, and they want to make it as impactful as possible. Stephanie, let me ask a question just to frame $12 billion, because, you know, that's such a big number, it's hard to even understand it. How big is the state budget in total, the whole state budget? I That's a good question. I should know that number off the top of my head. But the whole the whole state budget's roughly around $77 billion. I think that's um, right, yeah. So $77 billion. So $12 billion is a pretty hefty chunk of the entire state budget, right? Just to kind of give some perspective yeah. to how much money $12 billion is, right? And so yeah. so it's, it's you know, I, I should say my wife spends her time giving money away. She works for a foundation, and and she her job is to figure out grant requests when they come in and give money away. And I have long argued it is easier to ask for money than to give it away. It is way easier because everybody wants money. Everybody has a reason they want the money. Most of them feel entitled to the money. I mean, it's hard to give money away. It's really hard. Whereas when you ask for money, you just have to do an awesome job, which I think Dr. Phil does, I have to say. And with your help, we're doing a great job trying to make a case for the things we want and need to have a food secure state. So, so it is hard to do. And, uh, and $12 billion is a lot of money. Exactly, and to put it in um, a different context, if you are, if you're the decision maker, if you're the governor, or you're the legislature, you have everybody coming in and and making their case for 
whatever program they're trying to forward and why it would be important and why it would be, you know, something that would provide some benefit to either a region or this uh, or a statewide uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. If you, I have had one appropriations member tell me that they have twelve billion to spend. They have roughly about thirty billion in ask. So there's still going to be people at the end of the day that are going to be told, no, you know, this this program didn't make the cut or we believe that the resources were better put into another area. And every legislator and the governor, they have their priorities. Um, I think the governor, some of her priorities are infrastructure and education, you know, and, and legislators, they have their own various priorities. So they're trying to work with one another in a manner that accommodates everyone's sort of priority list, but accomplishes the real goal of of creating fundamental change and making significant progress with a one-time appropriation for uh, either on a regional basis or a statewide basis. Of course, that brings us right to the things that we're asking for, right? When you talk about infrastructure in particular, we've done some work over the last few years at the Food Bank Council in Michigan to try to figure out the infrastructure needs of the food banks across the state. And one of the areas we've looked really hard at is ought we have a distribution center in the northern part of lower Michigan to to create more access to the foods that people want and need, not just in the immediate vicinity of, you know, northern lower Michigan, but also to better serve the transportation and distribution needs of the Upper Peninsula. Um, And so one of the things that we're really hoping comes out of this um, funding is the opportunity to put that facility there. Now, when you think about how many people could be affected by that. It really is tens of thousands of people in a pretty broad geographic area that would be served by that center and served actually at a lower cost than what it costs to to ship the food now all the way generally from Grand Rapids or some of it coming from the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan in Flint. So to have a facility there to really help the partners who are getting that food and and reach the people better with greater access to the whole variety of food, the refrigerated food and the frozen food and all of the other things that can have distribution challenges, we're pretty excited about that for sure. And I know, Doctor, there's a few other things too. Well, I think one of the big things in this ask is the uh, uh, northern location. And it's something, Steph, that um, the legislators have kind of caught on to, too, as well as, um, you know, Budget Office Director Chris Harkins. This is something they mm-hmm. saw was was really a viable need and um, and that they jumped on. It, it, it fit the buckets, right? The bucket, it, big bucket in this money is infrastructure. And that's what we're talking about. And I think probably what people in general don't realize, in fact, we had uh, Representative Julie Alexander at the Greater Lansing Food Bank yesterday. She's shooting a video about, um, the you know, our work in, 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 within her, her district. And she was amazed that um, the warehouse is so big. You know, and a lot of times we take people to the food bank warehouses and they go, geez, man, this looks like Costco. Right. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but we turn our warehouse over a lot quicker than they do. (laughs) So I I think the need in the north and for the entire 15 counties of the Upper Peninsula is something that that if we are going to be a statewide organization that has impact, 
that we have to address the shortcomings in the infrastructure and getting emergency food to people in the north. That's absolutely right. You know, um, when the state was, when the food bank came together and created the regions in Michigan, uh, it was a different time. I believe they did that in the, probably the 60s, if I'm not mistaken. So you fast forward to now, and we have new challenges, and we have uh, a population shift and things. So, you know, having that uh, UP in northern Michigan served by the West Michigan Food Bank is no longer the most efficient option uh, moving forward. And as we talk about gas prices, you know, every time the gas price goes up, you are just as impacted by it as everybody else because you're trucking this food uh, hundreds and thousands of miles on a daily basis to get from point A to point B. And that affects your bottom line as well. So having that Northern Michigan Distribution Center would also create um, a real positive um, you know, flow of, of trucking as well in addition to just serving those communities a a whole lot better and more efficiently. Well, it'll be a great impact at many different levels, but there's more to talk about in regard to this appropriation and also there's a Senate bill that has the potential to impact our work as well. She's Stephanie Johnson. She's a principal at KJL, a firm in Lansing. She's our lobbyist. Jerry Brisson and I are back with Stephanie in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. We're back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our guest, Stephanie Johnson, our lobbyist and principal owner at KJL in Lansing. And Steph, um, how many years... Can, you, can I ask this question? You're not supposed to ask ladies questions about years. I don't <laughs> That's think, right. How many years have you been working with the food bank council you know i know because i've been here seven and a half i think it and I, it's hard for me to own up to this number but it's been about 20. yeah wow wow so you started yeah. lobbying when you were 12. <laughs> <laughs> i promise you if you looked at a picture of me 20 years ago and today and did the same with stephanie you'd go it ain't 20 years stephanie there's no way <laughs> right 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 <laughs> But, Jerry, it looks like you've had hard years. <laughs> sure that's not 30? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, well no, hey. It's been 20 years. Wow, that's awesome. good years. Yeah. I've been proud to do it. The, the, this association, this organization is just, I can't, I, I can't tell you what a joy it is to walk into a legislator's office or the governor's office and talk about the work that you do how you do it, the quality in which it's done. Um, it, 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 I don't have to usually say very much at all. People know and they understand, and oftentimes the, the individual food banks are very good about getting to know their elected officials, bringing them in, taking them on tours like you did with Representative Alexander, letting them see the work that, that, that you do, having them volunteer with you. Mm-hmm. So those connections and, and that ability to really develop those relationships has been phenomenal to your success as well. Well, it's been a fun. It's been fun. You know, sometime when you're on the show, we'll have to talk about um, 
the day that I was actually interviewed for the job, <laughs> no, and you were in the room, and um, <laughs> and didn't want me to be hired. So I, I think we're going to have to tell that story at some point. Are you really ratting me out like this? <laughs> <laughs> just, just on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here. no, it's been a great partnership, and we've certainly seen some some excellent movement and success. And this. This bill that comes from the governor, it's her budget proposal to the legislature, has the potential to really impact our work. Um, you know, and we talked about this this new uh, distribution center in the north um, that would serve the northern lower mitten and also the UP. Um, but, Jerry, there's a side of this that, that you guys at the food bank level are pretty sensitive to because... Um, we, we, as we've talked about on the show in recent weeks, we're we're kind of short on food right now, and this distribution center could have some impact in what area? Well, in all the farms that are around in the in the in northern Lower Michigan, there's lots of them. There's a lot of growers up there that really care about this work, and and to have a, a sizable distribution center for them to use to donate, you know, whatever whatever they can donate or be part of the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System, which is a way that we at least cover their costs for harvesting the food and and getting it to us. You know, it it's going to make that a lot easier for people, and we hope and we hope that by even bringing attention to it up in that area, we can attract more people who would consider giving if they knew they could and they knew how to do it. So we think there's a lot of benefits on the food donation side. But, you know, it's not just about getting. It's about relationships. Relationships are the center point of our work. It's relationships with the people we serve, relationships with the people who give so that we can do our service, and relationships with all of the partners that help us do this food distribution, the the pantries and the soup kitchens and the shelters and the other feet on the ground that are facing people in the community. And, and being present in those communities is is critical to that to that relationship building. So we're pretty excited about what that could do on a lot of different fronts. Well, Stephanie, one of the areas that this um, proposed appropriation um, uh, from the governor's office has is it has it has some money in there for us to be able, the Food Bank Council are in our network to study and test the role of food and new, in nutrition on health outcomes. And certainly Jerry and Gleaners have been a pioneer in this. Food Bank of Eastern Michigan's been working on it. South, uh, South Michigan Food Bank, food um, gatherers in Ann Arbor, all these food banks have been directly involved in health care. But this would be uh, a shot in the arm, so to speak, um, in order to, as in a vaccination, if, you, <laughs> if you're a little slow on that one. But anyway... Um, he was looking at my blank face, you know, and going, oh, I got to explain it to Jerry again. <laughs> you know, you're slow, but you're worth the wait. So anyway, um, this could really be a difference. I mean, following the FQHC model, following uh, Henry's Groceries in your partnership with um, Henry Ford Health System, this has some potential to really open the door for uh, how do we impact people's health, but also sustainable funding for food. It absolutely does, which, again, falls into that um, desire from the governor's office and the legislature to really make some real change with these dollars, knowing that they're one time and knowing that uh, we won't have access to ongoing funding. So how can we make the, the best impact? 
And this is one of those areas where, you know, again, uh, not to continue bragging on the Food Bank Council, but they're very forward thinkers. The Food Bank Council has always been very forward thinkers. The Michigan Agricultural Surplus System that Jerry brought up earlier, the MASS program, this was the first state in the country to do it. All these other states modeled their programs after after Michigan, where they decided we're in the business of food. We wanted, we're trying to work on food security. Who's best to go to than our growers directly? And where, what are their needs? And, and learning to um, work with them in a manner that helps them have a secondary market for their product, but puts fresh, healthy food into the food bait network. And not only fresh, healthy food, but Michigan-grown fresh healthy food. So you get so many bangs for your buck just on that. And this is another one of those programs where it's a real uh, show of the Food Bank Council's ability to really think about what what do we want to be in the next 10 years? How do we want to make change? How do we want to continue on this path of providing food security? And health care and health outcomes is that next, that next generation for you. And it is... Um, very, you know, it's proven all across. It's, we've got lots of history, lots of studies to show diet has a huge impact on health outcomes. There's a lot of chronic disease that is managed via diet. Uh, we know that there's a, a difficulty for some people to access those types of foods that would really help them manage whatever chronic disease they're dealing with, whether it's high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, the list goes on. And so now you're trying to marry those two uh, entities, healthcare and food security, together and figure out a way how can we do this that's going to have a positive outcome on the health of that individual, maybe stave off future emergency visits, as well as lower the cost of medical care for all, hopefully. Well, and you look at how much information flows through the Department of Health and Human Services now, and uh, and a a portion of this is to really connect all those systems together so that a person who needs assistance can go to one place Mm -hmm. and be signed up for whatever they need so that they can get um, access to not only the services that food banks and our partners provide, but also the other health care services that they need. And so um, it makes it easier for consumers. And one of the things we talk about a lot is you can't just do more. You have to do more and better. You, you, you've got to spend every dollar wisely. And so by, by really tapping into the Department of Health and Human Services system that's already in place, connecting that to the food bank systems, which are already in place, getting those to talk to each other, then bringing in the health care systems so that all of us are talking to each other and and we really know what's happening on the ground when someone gets a referral for food does that referral actually happen you've got to have the systems talking to each other to make sure that happens so that you can draw the right conclusions about the work later so all of that's really important if we want to right-size healthcare's response to food insecurity. And it has to be right-sized or it won't happen in the right way. Um, so I, I'm really excited about all those partnerships with the state of Michigan, with the healthcare systems, and with the other food banks. Uh, and to invest money in the infrastructure and technology that it takes to, to get those systems talking in the right way consistently from this time forward, hugely important. 
Well, we're going to pick this up on the other side of this break. One more uh, segment with Stephanie. Stephanie Johnson of KJL and Lansing. Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We're all three back with you. You come back and be with us in just a moment. Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our guest, Stephanie Johnson. And I don't know, is Stephanie really still a guest? I mean, she's really been on the show so much that she could be like the third <laughs> host, I think. Uh, or You know, I like family, you know, with our family, Stephanie Johnson. It might be a little embarrassing to her. Well, only at reunion. <laughs> Not at all. Only at reunion time. Not at all. Um, so, hey, Steph, um, let's talk about this ag bill that's coming out of the Senate Ag Committee that's chaired by uh, Senator Roger Victory. And Senator Victory has been on this show. He is all, the last time Roger was on this show, uh, Senator Victory was on the show. We talked to him, and he was in the cab of one of his tractors uh, yeah. because they, he and his brother own a farm. Uh, kind of on the west side, and they are a tremendous donor to this network um, and been a great mm-hmm. partner. And so agriculture obviously is is who Roger is, who Senator Victory is, and uh, there is a, guys, listen to this, there is a $1.4 billion agriculture bill that is being proposed out of the Senate Ag. I understand that has gone to the full appropriations committee now. And um, it has the potential to really impact not only all of agriculture generally, but specifically the work of the food banks as well. You know, for ag, um, with it being such a prominent industry in Michigan, you know, I don't know where it ranks. Currently, I haven't checked those standings uh, recently, but it used to be our number two industry. And... It's interesting. It's always interesting to me in many of our communities across the state, most people identify as a farm community, even though they might be two generations removed from the farm. People still identify with that here in Michigan. It's part of our roots. And to see that kind of investment in ag is really, it's tremendous. Um, it's been It's been needed for a very long time. Uh, you know, when you have limited dollars, particularly on the general fund side, you have to prioritize. And you, when you have education and you have correction spending and you have healthcare spending, you know, ag kind of falls down that mm-hmm. list a little bit. And so we haven't had an investment like this to ag in a very long time. And, and it's very much needed, not only as it pertains to the uh, supply chain when it comes to food, as it pertains to water quality when it comes to maybe our large farm operations, uh, but, you know, our inspectors, our food inspections, the, the list goes on. And, and we're all, everybody, whether you live in a high-rise in Detroit or whether you're up in the UP, ag affects us all. You know, there are, I'm going to borrow a term from Dr. Phil. He talks about the difference between problem spotters and problem solvers. 
right? And and in this case, we've got to give Director McDowell a lot of credit for putting some ideas out there for problem solving, not just problem spotting, right? And of course, that costs something. But but fundamentally, this isn't really a huge amount of money. It's a respectable amount of money to actually solve a lot of significant issues. And for food banks, what what he's what one of the pieces he's proposing is coming from the learnings during the pandemic around the farm to families food box and and you know director mcdowell said you know what we could do that just in michigan we we have food here we can address some of the food supply chain issues by really engaging our growers and our distributors and the food banks and and you know a, a plethora of other people but nonetheless it benefits the whole food supply chain it makes it stronger and it serves the need of the people in our community who need it most. That's problem solving, and I'm really, really happy to see that. Well, here's a couple of the line items in it uh, that you got. Let me throw these out, and then you guys can, you and Steph can, uh, Jerry can, can, can enlighten us on this a little bit. So here's a here's here's a, a respectable amount of money: agricultural infrastructure grants, 350 million, and and that's really about. You know the 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 investment that Steph is talking about that hasn't been made in ag for a number of years, and this would kind of be like help us catch up. There's also um, a food bank uh, distribution security and stability grants, and and this is this is really about that farm to family food box program that you're talking about that would be Michigan based. And then here's another line item that's pretty cool, and that's sustainability infrastructure grants. So those are all, oh, oh, and protein processing grants. Oh, my gosh. We need that so bad in this we state. Are, we do. We, we are, to my knowledge, I don't think we have a large uh, beef processing plant in the state. I, I know that they opened a pork one up um, in southern Michigan about four or five years ago. That was a that was a real long process to put that in play. And I know there's a lot of uh, beef farmers that had to ship their herd down to Pennsylvania for processing. And and we also know based COVID taught us a lot, right? And hopefully we take these lessons and we learn and we we fix them for the future. But we know when there was you know a COVID outbreak in a processing plant, how that affected the supply chain na- nationwide across across the spectrum. Um, and largely because we don't have enough processors. And in Michigan, with the amount of cattle that we have, the amount of pork that we have, and, and um, poultry, we really should have a processing plant here. You know, it's dangerous to make protectionist plugs because I'm not smart enough. But but <laughs> But I will say this, you know. What we learned about the food supply chain is there are disadvantages to being just in time. There are disadvantages to to doing more and more um, or being more and more dependent on other places for either processing or even producing the food that we need here. And there are so many people that want to be invested in growing and 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 being part of the food economy in Michigan and in the country. And so I think it makes sense based on our experience, not only of the pandemic, but also of what's happening right now with Ukraine and some of the other uh, food supply chain issues that we're seeing that are consequential to world politics to 
make some investments locally. I think this is the time. I think it's a good time to do it. And I think it will make us more stable at the risk of sounding too protectionist. Well, I think that's okay because we haven't made these investments for a number of decades, and now this is a proposal that helps us do that. And so using the term food security in a little different way, it helps secure the food supply line. And with the perfect storm we're experiencing now with the lack of food coming to the state through the USDA programs, we have to begin to solve this problem. I think there's every one of our food banks in the state are over budget right now, based on the, the amount that they budgeted to purchase food. We're all purchasing more food than we ever anticipated that we would have to. And so this is a way that we can begin to answer that shortfall here locally and benefit the agricultural economy in the state. So it's a smart investment. It's a good investment. It's Senate Bill 885, and we want you to support that bill. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, as we wrap up the show, but this is an opportunity for you to have a voice. We'd like for this bill to be passed, and we would like for the governor to sign it. So with that, I should say one more thing to get both of your comments on as we wrap up this time with Stephanie, and that is contained in this bill is a line that talks about a value that is non-negotiable for food banks, and that is food safety. We know that a lot of people want to help their, their community and help their neighbors who are struggling with hunger and with food insecurity. But you know what, guys? I'm just going to say it. Good intentions are not enough. We have to ensure that the food that goes into the community is safe. And that takes professionals doing professional work. So, Jerry, let me get your thoughts, and Steph, you can wrap it up in just a second. Well, I think it's one of the things that food bank re- food banks realized when, when they were formed initially in the 60s and 70s was you can't just take the food and slap it on out there. you you got to be aware of the food you're getting and the quality of that food and the condition of that food. Then you have to be aware of how that food is being managed on the on the spot, right? Does it need to be refrigerated? And at what temperature does it need to be frozen? And at what temperature? And then you have to know how long food lasts when it's at the right temperature or God help us at the wrong temperature so that you can make sure that people don't get sick from any food that comes in. The last thing that we've learned way too much of is there are food recalls happening all the time for lots of different reasons. Some of the bigger ones you might remember are when the peanut butter products got recalled a few years ago Mm -hmm. or the lettuce, the the romaine lettuce that was recalled not that long ago, it, it affected a huge percentage of the total of those products all at once. Well, food banks have inventory systems and relationships with our partners, and those are, again, the pantry, soup kitchen, shelters that we work with, feed on the ground. We know where everything is at any time, so when there's a recall... We can get that food back extremely quickly, quicker than anybody else, so that people don't get food that they shouldn't be getting because it's been determined by the USDA, usually, to be unsafe. So, so that being able to do that is not a small thing. It is a really important part of what we do for the community. And Stealth, that's campaign, that's con- that line, there's a, a provision in this bill that ensures that the folks who do this work have that kind of capability. Yeah. Well, and it's become even more important, particularly to the food banks. I think gone are the days where you got, you know, just the box or the canned foods. You're dealing so much more now in fresh product Mm -hmm. and trying to move more milk and eggs 
and butter and lettuce and orange. You know, you're trying so hard to get those products into this network so the folks that need to utilize your services have access to those quality fresh foods as well. And so now that's even more uh, important to the role of the food banks and, and their process, their inventory systems and making sure that, you know, what they what they deliver is, is safe. And we all, at the end of the day, everybody wants a safe food supply system, no matter where it's coming from. She's Stephanie Johnson. She's our lobbyist. She's a principal at KJL in Lansing. And, uh, She's our friend. She's our, our family. She's our co-host. Like, uh, geez, we, we're going to have to put you back on the payroll. Wait, we already do. So uh, <laughs> well, it's great to have you, Steph. Thanks for being with us. And always thanks for standing in the gap for this work and the families we serve. Thank you very much. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Jerry, lots of potential there and a little ray of hope with some bipartisan effort. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the process we go through, right? When we talk about Food First Michigan, it involves this kind of work. It's great to talk to Stephanie, and she helps us in so many ways. It's great to mention all of the people in state government who are involved in working with food banks. And to remind our listeners, it is all of us together that are going to create the movement that will create a food-secure state. Jerry, time for a little food for thought. President John F. Kennedy said, let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democratic answer, but the right answer. I agree. Support Senate Bill 885. That's our ask today. And ask the governor to sign it after the legislature passes it and encourage the legislature to accept Governor Whitmer's recommendation to support the work of Michigan's Food Bank Network that's led by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. That's the best way you can help us put and keep Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.